But uh, tonight we're looking at part eight. And um, we've looked at all angles on the subject of growing and how it relates uh, to spiritual life is really, really important. And we need to set a course in our life that puts us on a, on a trajectory to grow. That's a big word, um, but it's a good word. But you can catch a series on our podcast uh, to get all the other segments. If you, if you feel you want to catch up on where we've been, you can look that up on our podcast. And my generation doesn't know how to do all that, but ask someone a lot younger and they'll tell you how you can do all that. So tonight, uh, the, 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 the aspect of growing that I want us to look at is growing past your failures. And you, know, you might not believe it or not, but, but when I was a young man, I used to be part of a boxing gym. And one of the greatest lessons that I learned wasn't how to, how to win when you're, when you're on top in the fight, but how to come back and win when you're, when you're going backwards. And it was a very important lesson because I'd, I'd learned a lot of years in that, you know, in that uh, gym about what to do, how to move forward, but it wasn't until someone one day taught me what to do when I'm forced to go backwards. And once you, once you psychologically get beaten when, when you're pushed back, it's really hard to turn your mind around to come back again. So you're on the back foot, as, as they say, and you're feeling like, well, they've got me because I'm not moving forward anymore. But to, hopefully tonight we can get some keys into you spiritually that helps you to get back when you've been on the back foot so that you can come back from a failure. So I know... For many of us, we, we go into things, um, you know, seasons in life where we might be very enthusiastic and perhaps made a bold step forward. You ever felt that? You think, oh, I can do this. And, and you, you take a step forward and suddenly something goes wrong and, and you sense, well, I think I just failed. If you're like me, you never admit that you failed. You ever, you ever, oh, I've made a few minor mistakes, but I don't think I've ever failed. Sometimes we get to that point, we can start off very enthusiastically, but find that things didn't turn out how we thought they should. I love that saying that we have these days, um, epic fails. I, I love watching epic fails, <laughs> watching other people do, do those crazy things. But we can call it a, a spanner in the works, a, a breakdown. Um, but these things, when, when things go wrong like that, they actually have the ability to leave us wounded in our spirit and that, that wound or that injury that is internal causes us to think like, well, I won't try that again. I'm not going to do that again. I will get to some, some Bible in a minute if that's all right, but I'm just warming you up to it. But um, I remember one time I was preaching and you get these things sometimes and for me it's probably more often than you think, but I remember preaching this particular time and... I felt like I was a, you know, probably in a half an hour message. Uh, I probably got about 10 minutes into it and the wheels fell off. I, I mean, I, I couldn't remember where I was going. I couldn't remember what my points were. And I felt like, uh, and so I, I sort of just plodded on and, and I was in a lot of pain. The church was in a lot of pain. And uh, you know, for another 20 odd minutes, we were, were struggling through. But through that experience, I felt... I felt embarrassed, I felt shamed, and I felt that I'd let the pastor down, I felt I'd let the church down, and I felt like I'd let Jesus down, 
But I had a, a really clever solution and I said, well, Jesus, that's all right. I know I've let you down. I've let the church down. I've wasted everybody's time. So I know what I'll do. I'll just never, ever preach again. So I made up a decision and I thought, I know what I'll do from now on. If they ask me to preach, I'll just say, no, I can't do it. Because I failed once. It was a tragic fail. It was a disaster. You should, you should have saw, saw how bad it was. But there are some things in life that we need to learn not to do twice. Like putting our hand on a hot plate, on the stove. You, you don't need to learn to do that twice. You, you should learn to do that once and say, ouch, that hurts. Because if you do it twice or if you do it again, you'll get burned again. It's not like you, you don't get used to it. I, I remember I thought once... My dad used to keep bees, and I, I thought I was gonna, um, I was gonna immune myself to bee stings. So I thought if I get stung a lot, then then I'll get so used to it, my body, will, I'll get stung by a bee, and it won't matter anymore. So so I, I would get a bee and, and and you know put the stinger in in me in my arm or in my leg, and, and I thought I'm gonna get immune to to the, the the toxin in a bee sting, but but I didn't realize that the stock the toxin actually builds up. And, and after a few times, and then nearly my whole arm turned into a balloon one time. And I thought, it's supposed to be hardly affecting me at all. But um, it, it, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> so don't, don't try it. But there are, so there are some lessons that you don't want to learn twice. But there are other lessons that we learn spiritually. That's what we're talking about today. This, I hope, will help you in your spiritual walk with God, that we learn... Um, that make us grow wiser and better so we can get up again and keep growing. So that's the whole key that I want you to understand today. Whether, whether you're a, a, a Christian, a believer here today, that doesn't matter. You can still apply these things to your life so that you can keep growing despite the setbacks. It's like having a good left hand that can bring you back when you're on the back foot. Let's let a secret go. But my hope tonight is that you can get a key or two in your spirit that helps you to grow past your failure. In the book of Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it says, One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. If we go to verse 9, it says, so they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. So far, so good. The disciples are given power, authority, and they're sent on a missions trip. All expenses paid. Jesus says, here you go, off you go on a missions trip. Who'd love to do that? Off you go. <clears throat> Verse 10 tells us, when they returned, they told Jesus everything they'd done. They, they had had a win and they're feeling pumped. Who's ever had a, had a win and you're feeling pumped? Yeah, it's great to be part of a win. It's like, oh, yeah. That's, that's why I think sport is so amazing because we have allegiance to our sports teams and we don't actually do anything except watch. But it's like, oh, I won. You didn't do anything. <laughs> but it says about a week later, if you look at Luke 9, 28, it says eight days later, so roughly a week later, 
there's another story of the, of the disciples that gives us a reality bite, but uh, that not everything that they did was successful. And sometimes we, we read stories in the Bible, we hear, we hear stories and we see other people and we think, wow, everything just works out for them and they have no trouble, they have no lack of confidence, they're just always living in this wave of success. It's not always like that. So this is one of those moments. Um, so Jesus took three top gun disciples away. So he takes Peter, he takes James and he takes John. I mean, I don't know, but, but you know, just to, for, for amusement's sake, they're his top guns. He's take, and, and he's the top, toppest gun. And they're all gone. They're out of town. So he, he leaves the other nine disciples. He says, you look after the shop while I'm gone. I'm just going to be away one night. You look after it. And, you know, it's like when, when those things happen, um, you, you think, what can go wrong? It's all right, Jesus, have a night off. Take, take, take your favourites. That's all right. We'll, we'll hold the foot while you're gone. But it's one of those moments where they thought to themselves, we've, we've got this. Well, what can go wrong? But it reminds me of, of once when I was looking after somebody's sheep, that um, I was asked to check on someone's sheep one day. It was actually Derek and Roscoe's sheep. And I thought, well, what could possibly go wrong? Just, yeah, I know where, oh, I, the show, uh, you know, they didn't show me. Someone else showed me where the troughs were and check all the troughs and, and just drive around and make sure everything's okay. So the first day I go there, I go to the first trough, there's mud everywhere. The trough's leaking and not turning off. So I think, oh, and the, the, there's a sort of a lid that the sheep had taken off. So put all that together, it takes half an hour to fix all that. Then I think, oh, well, what else can go wrong today? Drive out, go to drive to the next paddock and there's, there's sheep on the road. Not like four, four or five, but there's, there's a lot of sheep on the road. So then I, I, go, I, I get a bit further and I see that the, the, the gate is broken down. So I, I go back and pull the gate out of the way and get the sheep back in that fence and put the gate back up and all that. So there's probably an, an hour. I told Pauline, look, I'll probably be uh, probably half an hour. <laughs> then I go round the corner to check the next paddock and there's more sheep on the road. It's like, what else can happen? So sometimes we think, yeah, we got this. What could go wrong? And sometimes it's those moments. It's like if, you, if you're asked to look after a shop, and you think, what can go wrong? I can do this. I'll mine the till. And someone comes in, they want to they return or they want to do a lay-by. And you're thinking, I don't know how to do that. Don't come now. <clears throat> so here are the disciples. People are all around them. Jesus is up on the hill. He's gone with the, with the other three. And a man comes along and says, heal my son. He has a demon. Oh, where's Jesus when you need him? See, so what happens is each of the disciples has a turn. Oh, I got this. You, you, you frothing at the mouth demon. I, I, I tell you to come out. It doesn't come out. You, someone else says, hey, let, let me have a turn. You horrible demon, I command you to, to come out. It doesn't come out. Then they have a little bit of a conference and they say, hey, maybe, maybe it needs a little bit of combined effort here and we, we need to all pray together at the same time. And so they all gather around this little boy and start praying against this demon and say, you horrible frothing demon and nasty demon, we say you've got to come out. And they wait, and then someone says, he's still hissing. 
It's not working. They look at each other and they don't know what to do. So the disciples were not able to confront the situation or or to control the situation and the boy didn't get better. So when Jesus finally turns up, we'll pick up the story in Luke uh, 10. Sorry, go back one. Oh, hang on. I haven't got the scripture there for you. Luke chapter 9, verses 38 and 40 says this. A man in the crowd called out to Jesus, so Jesus comes back and he says, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. Now, I want to tell you something. We can't apply spiritual things to, to, to all these metaphors here because this is totally spiritual. So, so we've got to understand there's certain things that we come across in life that we might, might not understand in our natural mind because they're spiritual things. And, and I believe in, in the devil. I believe in darkness and light. I believe in angels. I believe in Jesus as the Son of God. I believe that God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are one. I believe in all those things. And so when we believe in that, we've also got to believe that there is an arch enemy of God, an arch enemy of you, and we call him the devil. And he has spirits that get around don't be spooked out because they've always been part of the world they've always been part of your life around doing things and influencing the world in a shocking way so let's not get freaked out about that but he says i begged your disciples to cast out the spirit but they couldn't do it and so these disciples they're they're squirming they're feeling embarrassed they're feeling vulnerable they're feeling failure because they just they just weren't able to perform what they thought they could. So they're, um, they're just left to look after the shop and look at what happened. There's a disaster. They're feeling, they're feeling it. The, the last thing that anyone wants when you've failed is that somebody tells someone else you failed. Isn't that the worst thing? You think, okay, I failed it. You don't have to tell everybody. There's nothing worse when you failed and then someone tells someone else about it. And that's just what happened. See, this man tells Jesus how his disciples just failed him. He says, I begged your disciples, but they couldn't do it. They failed. And they failed in a very public way. That's why I think so many people have a fear of speaking in public because if you fail, like I was describing before, you do it in public in front of everybody. So... Imagine if those disciples gave up at that point of fail. Don't consider giving up serving God when it looks like a failure because you can grow through your fail. I want you to to just get that in your spirit today. You can grow through your fail. So don't think it's the end of the line. So if we fast forward now to Luke 10 verse 1. It says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. So Jesus gives them another turn, and he extends the group to an even bigger group of people, and he says, I'm going to give you another turn. So Luke chapter 10, verse 17 says this, When the 72 disciples returned, so Jesus says, Go out, I want you to, to, to go and uh, do all those things that we said to do before. Do it again. It says, When the 72 disciples returned, 
they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. So something's changed here. Something's different this time. Now, there is a lot of power in the name of Jesus. So, uh, you know, it, it amazes me that, that all around the world today that, that uh, you know, you can do all sorts of things, but you can get in a lot of trouble in a lot of parts of the world by preaching about Jesus, about owning a Bible, about talking about the things of, of Jesus Christ can put you in jail, can actually put you away for a long time and even have you executed today in more parts of the world than not. That's an amazing fact. So um, there is an amazing power in the name of Jesus. The thing is, if you don't understand that power, if you don't, uh, what is it, to take on that name for yourself, then you may not ever understand what that power is or how you can use it. But in Luke chapter 10, 21, it says, at the same time, so, so these disciples, they, they all came back, 72 of them saying, you should have seen what happened. The demons were, they, they were, they were being cast out. We were seeing miracles and, and healings and all these amazing things were happening. So Jesus says this. Um, he was filled with joy of the Holy Spirit and he said, Father Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. And I've got that word there underlined. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. So in a modern term, Jesus is saying, God, they chopped it up. They did a good job. If you don't want chop up, means not, not, that doesn't mean bad. That means, oh, that's really cool. That's good. They did it great. It means you did an awesome job. So they, record, they, they came back and reporting to Jesus. We cast out demons. We healed the sick. We saw miracles. And, and they were wide-eyed in amazement with the reports of what happened when they went and preached. So they're saying there was, there was real power there, but I think that the difference this time is they were using the power in the name of Jesus. So when, this, when, they, when they're coming a, 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 upon these spiritual situations again, they're saying, in the name of Jesus, we're, cut, we're telling you to come out of this person. And pff, these things were, were going in the power of that name. So Jesus described these disciples when they came back with this report as having childlike faith. Now in Luke chapter 10, 21, we, we see him describe it like that. Now I want you to make the difference today or, or try and bring this, this into your perspective. Jesus said have childlike faith, not childish faith. And there's a lot of people who have childish faith, but we need to be childlike, not childish. So childish is being distracted easily so one day you think oh i went to church a really great service or you know oh, i think I'll, I'll follow god today um that that's that's childish um because you're easily distracted something else will get your attention and so you'll you'll take another tangent uh, childish is emotional you know, sometimes you see, you see a child that don't get their own way. They're emotional. They're, they're crying. It's, it's like, it's, it's huge. It's screaming. It's emotional beings. That's childish. So we, we can't have that kind of um, emotional thing in, in our spirituality. Um, there's an emotional attachment. They're, they're, they're prone to tantrums. Oh, I can do that too sometimes. It's good to have a tantrum every now and then. 
if you don't get your own way. But childlike, this is what I describe that the difference between being childish and being childlike, childlike has the wonder of life and the excitement of discovering. And that's what we should never, never lose in our Christian walk. doesn't matter what our age is, what our experiences are. We need to always try and have a, a, a sweetness in our spirit and a wonder of the things of God that we never get away from. I don't ever want to think, well, I've seen it before. I've no, I know all this before. You know, I, I sometimes look back on, on, on you know, things I've written in my diaries and I think, I've forgotten that. I, I, I go back and think, well, I can't even remember having that amazing understanding. But you know what? That's the, I love looking back. But I also think, well, I don't know yet what's ahead. And I want to look forward to what God has for me in the future and what God has for us in the future and what God has for you in the future. Have a wide-eyed wonder and excitement to discover more about your spirit and about God and where he wants to take you. Thank you for that clap. That's encouraging me. I think life would be different for every single one of, for every single one if we could live with the spirit of childlike wonder about us. Have a spirit of childlike wonder that causes things in your life to, to just be you know just discovering and seeing things for the first time. So I can't think of a better description on the subject of growing than this there's but when we are childlike you only have one way to go and one way to grow and that's up so i want you to consider that to, to not think well you know where do we go from here but i i believe that when you have a childlike attitude to the things of god there's only one way that you can go and that is higher and up so the disciples had bounce back from their previous failure to report back with a win. They came back reporting a great win and they're excited, they're, they're, they're eager again. So the lesson that I want you to see today is we learn spiritually in ways that can make us grow wiser and better so we can get up again and keep growing again. So I want, to, I want to encourage you today, never allow a failure to stop your progress and to stop you from growing. So this may sound elementary, what I'm about to say, but growing in our spirit starts when we stop playing childish, when we stop being childish in our spiritual uh, relationship with God. So growing is a result of when we put away toys and begin to use tools. So I want to encourage you, start, start looking at your life, start saying, well, how am I approaching my spiritual life? Am I just playing around with toys here? Is this just a, is this just a, a, a gimmick that I'm playing with? Or is this a tool that is going to make me progress? Is this a tool that I can build something with for eternity? And I hope that you can answer today and saying, God, I want to put away the childish, put away toys and start to take up tools in my spiritual hands. So with tools, we build things. With toys, we pretend. So when we play with toys, we just pretend builders. When we play with toys, we just pretend police. When we play with toys, we just, we just pretend driving a car. 
You know what I'm saying? And so we don't want to live in pretend spirit. We want to live in the real spirit. So you're not living in a pretend Christian life. You're living in the real Christian life where you're building something with substance and power, with wonder about everything that you see and do. Don't settle for a pretend Christian experience. And sadly, there's a lot of people, they go to church. They, they have Christian friends. They do all the things. They can even read their Bibles and listen to worship music, but they're playing in their spiritual experience. Life's too short and the, and the purpose too important to spend it playing with toys. Get a real machine gun. It's a lot more fun. No, you're not. No, unless you're licensed and all that. See, Jesus has commissioned us to get out in the world and in the mighty name of Jesus, affect the world for the better. God wants us to affect the world for the better. You know, one of the amazing things that, that, that I see is, you know, I know for, for people who aren't aware, they might think, what's the church do? I can tell you something. If we suddenly removed every church from every part of Australia, there would be a massive change. There would be incredible holes everywhere in society that we do. But, you know, and, and some people have all these concepts about church. Oh, it's all about this. It's all about that. But you know something, if you took the church out, I'm saying suddenly the world would know and it would be a much worse place. Much worse. So I'm just going to give you two quick keys so that you can grow and keep growing through every failure. So here they are. Number one, get up again. Have the capacity or the spirit or the, the will to get up again. So it doesn't matter if you've been knocked down 90 times. Get up the 91st time. Get up again. And I know sometimes life can dish out some harsh stuff. I know life can be unfair. I know sometimes people are unfair. Circumstances are unfair. But you know when you get knocked down, when you're on the back foot, come back one more time. Get up again. Ezekiel 36, 35, I love the, the, that chapter of, of Ezekiel. But it's a description to me of God restoring things that were broken, things that weren't working, and God puts it all back together again. So it says there in, in verse 30, 35, and when I bring you back, this is, make this personal, God's saying to you, when I bring you back, people will say, this former wasteland, it's a little bit extreme, but you know, this former life that wasn't, wasn't productive, this former life that was, was miserable is now like a, the Garden of Eden. It's amazing. It's fruitful. It's, it's abundant. It says the abandoned and the ruined cities now have strong walls and are filled with people. So having a strong wall in your life is you're, you're secure in yourself. You've got defenses. So, so when, when you're on the back foot, you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm safe within the, my call and in the, the plans that God has for my life. I'm not, I'm not going to be you know, knocked down by this and never get up again. I love that scripture. Maybe you, you, if you need to, go home and have a look at Ezekiel 36 and make it personal to yourself and encourage yourself in it. But the, the, the key, the first key, if you want to succeed through your failures or, or 
Grow past your failures is the better word. If you want to keep growing past failure, always have an attitude that you are going to get up again. Get up again. The second key is don't fear fails. I think this is probably the, the, the biggest trap that people have in life that stops them from achieving even the minimum of potential is because they think, I just want to play life safe. So I'm going to stay where it's comfortable. I'm going to stay where it's predictable because I fear that if I step out too far, then I could fail. We put a much greater perspective on failure than what it is really worth. You know what? If you fail, you get back up again. Some people think, but if I fail, that's the end. No, it's never the end. I know plenty of people who failed year 12 and they're, they're running their own successful businesses. I know plenty of people who failed in business and get up again and start another business. I know plenty of people who failed in sport. They get up again and they win in sport. You just got to get up again. Get up again. But don't fear failure because fails may come. But you know what? Look at it this way. Fails are merely lessons to grow you. Failure or fails are merely lessons to grow you. But I want to just encourage you to allow a boldness in your spirit from the Holy Spirit to come into your life that will come upon you. Don't allow fear of failure of failing to hold you down. And we, we put way too much emphasis on fail, on that word failing, and think, well, you know, that's the end of the line. That's, that's, it's finished. Deuteronomy, oh, sorry. I've lost myself. Can we get that one back up? Deuteronomy uh, 31 verse 8 says this. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Is that amazing? Again, I love to personalize my Bible. <coughs> Don't be afraid or discouraged. When, when we're at that point of, of a fail, we feel discouraged. We sometimes can be afraid. But it says, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you or abandon you. You can fail, but Jesus never fails. I want to, can we just stand to our feet this morning or tonight? <clears throat> but if we could, if we could really get a grasp of breaking the power of that word fail in our life, then I believe we'll see some champions rise up among the people who are here tonight. So you might have failed in leadership, get up again. You might have failed in a marriage, get up again. You may have failed in friendships, get up again. I really want to encourage you to start, you, you may fail in the future, but I want you to say, make a determination today to say, if I fail or when I fail, there's just a lesson that I'm going to learn that's going to make me grow, that's going to make me better. So there's, the, the, the devil goes around saying, you failed, you're a loser. You, you Don't ever try that again. Give up. Give, do the world a favor. Never preach again. That's what the voice that was speaking to me. But you know what? You have to shake those things off. And you've got to get up again. 
and don't fear failure. The, the, the opposite of, of fear is faith. And we need to apply faith in Jesus Christ as the foundation to what we do next. I know this is going down a whole different pathway now. But perhaps if you just close your eyes right now, and I want to pray for people today, because I know you can be paralyzed by failure. You can, be, you can be boxed in by the fear of making a mistake or failing. And you know, you know that. You think, well, you know, I've played it safe all my life. God wants to take you from playing it safe into the, the, the vastness of a great life with Him, doing all sorts of amazing exploits because you're stepping out into the unknown, stepping out where, it's, where you're vulnerable, stepping out where, you know, you might feel out of your depth. But you know what? It's in those places that you get the wins that really mean a lot. So perhaps tonight, I want to pray for you. You don't have to come forward. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. But maybe you're just thinking, hey, <clears throat> I just need to get up again. I've been knocked down. I've been pushed around. I've been hurt. And something, you know, it's almost like everything inside me says, just play it safe. Don't, don't get up again because you'll be embarrassed again. I want to tell you something today. It might be your 91st time, but you need to stand up and say, God, maybe this time I'm going to trust the name of Jesus. I'm going to step up again if, with no one really looking around at others. It's, it's a personal thing. So perhaps if we just can give ourselves that personal time by closing your eyes. But if you want to respond to that, just raise up a hand because I want to pray for you first, you people. So put your hands up nice and high. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now for these hands that are raised. For the, I thank you for their honesty today. Lord, I thank you that you love people, that you have a plan for people. You have a plan for every person who's raised their hand in response to this call today. Lord, I just pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come right where they are and begin to speak into their life, begin to breathe life into them, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And say, get up one more time. Get up one more time. Don't fear failure in your life, but move forward beyond those things because God speaks success. God speaks life. God speaks a purpose. God speaks a reason for your being. God wants to speak the truth of His power into your situation and circumstance. Get up one more time. And I want to pray also, thank you for those people being so honest, <clears throat> that you're paralyzed by fear. Maybe if you put your hand up before and this relates to you, you can put it up again. It's okay. But you're paralyzed by fear. You think, oh, I just want to play life safe. I don't want to take out a mortgage. I, I don't want to get in relationships. I, I, I don't want to do study. I, I don't want to take a job. And the root cause of all that is because you're paralyzed by fear because you think, I'd rather just not try any of these things because what if I get rejected? What if I don't do it? What if I can't pass? And all these questions, all these fears overwhelm your spirit and it's a burden that you don't have to carry from today. You can say, Jesus, I want to leave that burden on your shoulders and I want to have you walk before me. I want to have you go with me. And when I do that, I will never, you will never fail me or abandon me. You're going to be with me through it all. So again, just in the privacy uh, with our eyes closed, 
just to give people respect today and to give them that opportunity. I'm just going to ask if that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. I want to see you set free. I want to see you go from strength to strength. And Lord, I just pray today over these hands that are raised here in this place. Lord, that, that you are going to take them from uh, the fear of failing into the place of, of moving into um, great exploits for you. Lord, I pray against every fear. I pray against every uh, stronghold of, uh, of manipulation in their life that has caused them to say, well, I, I just would rather not try because I don't want to fail. But Lord, I just pray today, release people by your Spirit. May they take something tonight by the power in the name of Jesus and the, and the Holy Spirit in their life that causes them to break free and put their life on a pathway of doing amazing things. Some are going to be missionaries, Lord God. Some are going to start schools. Some people are going to start you know, ministries. Some will be called into pastoring churches. Some whose hands are raised today are going to be uh, great people in in the kingdom of God, that we could not imagine what you have planned for them because it is just so incredibly huge. And the only thing is they need to re re replace the fear of failing with faith in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord.